The question for the afternoon talk is Is meditation helpful for working with our emotions? Before uh, starting the talk with you this afternoon, like to uh, read a short note to you as it's addressed to uh, uh, all of us. The note is from uh, Stacy, who is from uh, the Bay Area of uh, California, has been engaged in quite some traveling recently, South America, uh, Burma, to the monasteries there, India, and has spent uh, the past couple of weeks or so uh, here in Israel visiting her sister in uh, Jerusalem, who lives in Jerusalem, and previously was a year in Amman, because her husband is a reporter for the uh, uh, Washington Post. So Stacy uh, left this note, she came for a, a few days, she's pregnant, a nice quiet period here, she's very appreciative, and this is what she writes. Dear one and all of Tovena, Christopher often speaks of you on his visit to the States with such high regard. I am sincerely honoured to have been here, if only for a short stay. <clears throat> what a beginning to a life of the body, referring to the pregnancy. To sit on a lawn and hear artillery fire into the Gaza Strip and speak about appreciative joy and hear Arab stories of, inspir of inspiration from Israeli lips. How wonderful to sit with the spirit of you people so different from any other place in the world. Always thank you, Christopher, you continue to inspire. So much love and honour to all of you. Thank you, Stacey. And when reading the note, apart from the personal appreciation, uh, there, I think sometimes, as I know for myself and for other friends who have come here to uh, Israel, how easy our world is full of pictures only gathered from the media. No other source, just from the media. And it can take, as it has done with Stacy, just one visit to change the whole sense and the whole feeling and the whole understanding of what it is to be in this country. And it is important that uh, visitors come and they do encourage you who have friends in other parts of the world whether of, uh, from the Jewish family or not, to encourage them to come. Tell them there's nothing to worry or to be afraid of. Just to come and be present. There's nothing like experience. And there's nothing like the distortion of it called the media. <laughs> I used to be a reporter. This afternoon in the exploration uh, uh, with you on this uh, rather important uh, area of feeling and emotional life, I'm re reminded of this classic uh, discourse of the Buddha, number 10 in the Middle End Discourses, called the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, or the Four Applications of Mindfulness. All Vipassana, Insight Meditation, Teachings, 
are an interpretation of this core fundamental talk. Nobody, none of us, no teacher, no tradition within the tradition has the one and only view. In this discourse, the Buddha says that there are four important areas to apply mindfulness, to bring a meditative awareness and observation to. One is the breath, including the body. The second are feelings and the intensification of feelings, emotions. Thirdly are the various states of mind which we experience, from those that we appreciate to those that are difficult. And the fourth is the Dharma, and the Dharma not only teachings, but Dharma in the wider sense, all that we see, hear, smell, taste and touch. All that comes to us through the five senses, all of that is Dharma. So the four applications of mindfulness, truly worthy of our attention and inquiry and understanding, is the body, the feelings, the states of mind, and all that we see, hear, smell, taste and touch. Our relationship to all of that is our exploration. It's our field of investigation. All unhappiness and none and happiness is all dependent with that relationship. All joy and sorrow is dependent on our relationship with body, feelings, states of mind, sight, sound, smells, taste and touch. It's not a lot of activity. It's not a lot of areas for you and I to give attention to. But it's the key in those areas to finding out what a really conscious and an awakened life is all about. So I'd like to talk about uh, emotions uh, with you. A little bit reflecting on some of the important sharings that have been taking place today in the small groups uh, as well as with uh, previous days. When one looks at uh, the tradition of formal, form, formal uh, practice, it has its benefits and its limitations. And the benefits of it deserve and need some acknowledgement and also, and equally, the limitations. And we have to look for ourselves through our own experience in the field of time, recognize where the benefits are, where the limitations are, and our relationship of our feelings and emotions to that. So, as example, the form fairly obvious here, sit, S-I-T, sit. Somebody once on a retreat, must have been thinking about Christopher or something, wrote me a little note, remember this, in the United States, and said, do you know what a two-worded anagram is of your surname? My surname is Titmus, T-I-T-M-U-S-S. Do you know what a two-worded anagram of it is? And then he said, look on the other side of the paper and you'll see. I looked on the other side. A two-worded anagram is must sit. <laughs> I thought about changing my name to something else, so it's must not sit. But anyway, I'm not too keen on the must. 
So we enter into a form. And entering into a form, the form has a simple, clear, direct structure. It is called sitting form. It doesn't matter at all, of course, whether one sits cross-legged, kneeling posture, sits on the chair. As I've said many times in 30 years, the shape of our legs has no relationship to wisdom. <laughs> there are Buddhists who don't know this. <laughs> and in the bare form, the bare presence, we then turn our attention, focus upon an object. And therefore a bare simple relationship is established of oneself observing something. We might call it the breath, we might call it the body. And in that interaction, it's not that the observation, the observer, the experiencer, the witness is pure and clear and clean. Because, as we know, the mind can move and in its movement and the feelings can move and give all manner of interpretation to the event. One is sitting, there is mindfulness, that means consciousness. Consciousness is of its object, the breath. Consciousness is of its object, called the body or parts of the body. And ideas, views, opinions enter into it. For some, understandably and naturally, there can be in that close intimacy, attention to the breath or attention to the body, some pressure can build. It may build because we have some tendency, maybe a tendency to control, maybe a tendency trying to keep it as we would like it to be. But even if the relationship to the object, just being with the breath when it comes, not making any judgment about how good the quality of attention is. We may not make any determination at the end of the sitting by calling it a good sitting or a bad sitting or I'm getting somewhere or I'm getting nowhere <laughs> or, and all those views. <coughs> but the simple act of the form with the object called breath or called body is allowing other things to go on inside of one which we are hardly aware of. The very closeness of the intimacy, attention to the breath or the body, is for some an invitation for other things to be going on as it were, were in the underworld. Things are moving. Consciousness doesn't pick it up. Consciousness picks up some thoughts some ideas, a fantasy, a memory, uh, a daydream, some tiredness, or what a restlessness, some pain in the body, but doesn't know, and how could it, that there is much more going on in the moment than what we realize, but it's not conscious. And then something in its building, and for some, as you report, in its building it's creating some pressure, and with the pressure, may come some volcanic activity, some waves of feelings, waves of emotions may be running through. 
the Buddha uses a strong um, a metaphor for this. And it really uh, runs through. And strong feelings and uh, emotions, as some of you have been uh, reporting, that it's like the emotion, with the, when the tears come, and why shouldn't they come? When the tears come, the feeling life, as I sometimes say, has converted into drops of water. Rushing through, and the old eyes get wet, and the tears run onto the face, the feelings and emotions have taken form, taken form, have become material, tears. In this movement, and the Buddha, as the Buddha said, human beings have shed, that means released, enough tears to fill the great ocean. <laughs> so it's not surprising on a retreat with 135 people it may not be, it may not fill the uh, Lake of Galilee, but certainly a few buckets. <laughs> <laughs> and then we say, I'm feeling all this arising, these emotions arising uh, within me. And easily the intention or the attitude can be when there's the arising of these emotions to stop it. It feels pressure. It feels painful, it feels difficult for us in some way or other. And when we want to stop it, we easily then move towards some desire or wish to get it under control, or to change it, or to get away from it. All too human activity. We have a difficulty in living with our feelings and with our emotions. And we want to see, in the wave of it that may come, what, back to the word tendency, important word in the tradition, what is the tendency that we experience that goes with it when the emotion is difficult? Sometimes it's bed. It might be a hot day, we'll still pull the sheet over our head. It's too much to deal with, so sleep becomes the outlet. For another, it could be food. It's having some waves of uh, difficulty. And then one finds one's eating bucket loads of rice, cucumbers, tomatoes, and uh, etc. And if one could break into the fridge, one wouldn't hesitate. <laughs> For others, it's much more uh, subtle uh, uh, than that. Sometimes we use, not unusual, and one person was very clearly reporting this today, we can use Dharma language and Dharma thought to stay away from the feelings and emotions. It could, and the Dharma language and thought could be, oh, everything's Anicca. <laughs> means impermanent, changing, it's coming and going. This is a very popular one. Oh, it's just arising. Um, well, it's not me, it's just happening. It's uh, dependent conditions. It's this, that and the other. All of it may, may give some degree of comfort to the wave of feeling and emotion. But the difficulty is 
it may become a layer on it. The feeling and emotion, whatever it may be, which is difficult, may, through the power of the mind, may get pushed away. <coughs> and pushed away to be forgotten. Pushed uh, away only until there's a new pressure, a new set of circumstances, and it will have to repeat history. And therefore one of the vulnerabilities of meditation is that we try with our consciousness to bring things under control by fitting ourselves into the form. And emotions has no respect for form. <laughs> they will come out anywhere, <coughs> at any time. And the more we struggle, the more likelihood is we are actually distancing ourselves from what we're feeling. It can be with the feeling and emotional uh, life that, and in the sitting here, there are the benefits of it, yet somehow, and this is a, almost a shift in the relationship, when the emotion which is arising, which is difficult, sadness. What's sadness about? Why do we feel sad? Sometimes we can't explain this feeling of sadness in the heart life. Nearly always, nearly always, always, it's related to some sense of loss and separation. So if I feel sad, can I ask myself, can I just question myself, what am I sad about? What is the sadness connected with? Is there some sense of loss or separation? If there is some sense of loss and se uh, separation, without wishing to change the loss or separation, because we may not be able to, can I just be with this feeling experience of sadness? Period. No intention to resolve it. No intention to finish it. Nor control it. But just allow that feeling to be. <coughs> and as with other emotions that we experience, the tightness of the form, which is a problematic aspect of insight meditation, the tightness of the form may be unwise, inappropriate to what the emotion is. It's too controlled, it's too tight. And therefore we need at times to have, not easy of course, an open, spacious, not easy, spacious sense to allow the feeling and emotion to flow through without any commentary on it. No interest for it to stop. No interest to bring it to an end quickly. It, the, the thought will want it to be over. 
That's the human mind. It wants it to be over. The awareness which accommodates it and allowing it to flow through, this is wisdom. This is healthy. Even though it seems in the wave of the emotion it's a nightmare. Well, at least it's a healthy nightmare. What intensifies the emotion is the story. It, it gets stronger the more the thought comes in with the story. The story is second to the main event, and the main event is the feeling, the emotion which is arising. That means, for some at times, sitting meditation is not skillful. No matter what the meditation teachers tell you. Sometimes sitting meditation is inappropriate to the strength of the wave of the emotion. No matter what you're told. Because the wave of the emotion, sadness, unhappiness, bucket loads of tears without explanation, the sorrow and the grief of life, the disappointments and the hurts, the wounds and the unhappiness, the anger and the fears, no matter what kind it makes, whatever way, way it may express, it's a movement. It's a movement of the emotion. And to make the body still and the movement for some is too much contrast. It's too much contrast. And therefore we have to have the freedom of, since the emotion is formless, the being must harmonize and be formless. Be outdoors. Move dance, walk, be with the feeling, stay in with it, hanging with it. It's trying to find its own flow and rhythm. It, 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 its movement and our physical movement can allow and bring about a harmony of the feeling, emotional life with the bodily life. Listen to what's happening to you. As I say, sometimes, with the movement that's going on in the emotional life, and when it's strong, other kinds of movement need to go with it. Once again, since we wish to find a depth of harmony of being, can we, in the movement itself, See where the feelings, emotions are emerging from within the body, within the physical. And therefore the, the body, the cells of the body are releasing and allowing, releasing and allowing. Let's be with it. It's only a wave. It's only an extraordinary movement. It's only water dropping out of the eyes and that spaciousness which allows us to accommodate that 
is the contribution towards the harmony of the being. So say sometimes we are and it's a little bit with the language sometimes we say oh just observe it no take no notice of those voices just observe it the very just observing of it easily generates a detached view just observe it and in that detachment I don't know if you've ever got hold of an elastic band and you keep pulling it and pulling it and pulling it, trying to get away from holding one, staying still and trying to get away. There's going to be a bit of stress and pressure at some point and bang! One end or the other end is going to get, fingers are going to get hurt. Sometimes in this rather detached view there of just observing, we don't realize that the observing, the mindfulness of, sometimes is a pulling away from. A pulling away from it. We want to be close to it. This is life. As the Buddha said, all life, no small, under, no small sentences, all life comes together in feelings. All life, what's important for us, is how we feel. One of the problems for this, I don't like to get into gender uh, 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 issues, but I'm a <laughs> little tempted <laughs> as a man. I've got to try and do this skillfully, I get myself into hot water. Um, I have the privilege, as other teachers here to, to of uh, listening to people's events, people's stories, people's first-hand experiences, etc. And one of the areas of the matters of the heart and connection and love, such a precious element uh, in our day-to-day -day life, that sometimes you could say, sounds like men, but it's not always, <laughs> that we of this poor gender <laughs> have a tendency towards the movement into the mind. Some will say, now that's an English understatement, Christopher. <laughs> but then you know what I mean. <laughs> and we have an idea that the mind can resolve things. That the mind is the answer. And we have no better domination of that than at the moment through science or, 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 or whatever. And of course there are benefits to the use and the application of mind. There are benefits to a critical view of things and a wise use of the mind. I'm not denying that. But, back to this anusaya. This movement and this tendency towards the mind, concepts, language, views, analysis, interpretation, opinions, conclusions, cause and effect, 
all this belongs to the field of the mind. If we, men or women, spend too much time in the mind, it's called work and it's called study. If one spends too much time in the mind, too much time in reading the media, too much time watching the television, too much time upstairs in the attic. Yeah. There are two severe problems for the species out of this. One is a disconnection from feeling life, an alienation from feelings. The impact of that distance from feelings can be either feeling life begins to dry up. We can't take emotional life for granted. We can't say there's always emotional life or a healthy emotional life. If there is such a distancing from the feeling life and it goes on day in, day out, work, 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 study, 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 work, 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 pouring in concepts, absorbing more and more information, taking it in, taking it in, taking it in. We get locked in here and the effect of that, the feeling where all life genuinely comes together, gets neglected. Either we feel less about life, which is tragic, tragic, and all the consequences of that, politically, militarily, economically, socially, globally, the consequences of a disconnected feeling life from what's around us. Or, in the disconnection for some, it may not contribute to a, a, a reduction in the emotional life, but because of the amount of time living in thought, living in words and concepts and constructs, when the feeling life and the emotional life arises, we can't deal with it. We're overwhelmed with it. We either it begins to dry and we get so alienated from it on the one side or it's cut off and it doesn't take too much and our life falls apart emotionally. Sometimes we can see this in others more easily than we can see it in ourselves. Sometimes we're much have much more insights into people that we know than we have into ourselves. We're much more able to give others, I'm speaking from the privileged position here, <laughs> much more able to tell others than tell ourselves. And therefore, because the feeling life is so close to us and the mental life is so close uh, to us, to know ourselves is to know this dynamic between the two. And if you've looked at yourself during these days, honestly, and you have said to yourself, I'm just living in words all the time. I'm just thinking, 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 thinking. I'm just studying, studying, studying. I'm just working, working, working. I'm so mental, 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 men mental. <laughs> Sitting on your arse all day will not make that much difference, frankly. <laughs> 
it might be a real challenge, as it has been and continues to be, for us to say, wow, I see this clearly. I see I'm stuck in my brain cells. I'm stuck in my views, opinions, words, ideas, analysis, criticism, judgments, thoughts, etc. And if I see that clearly, I really see, as some people do here, see that very clearly, the natural, subsequent, following question is, what am I going to do to change it? If I think I'm just going to go back to work, 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 study, 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 and I'm going to have a blissfully clear mind, and a hugely happy heart, and great liberation of being, one is in cuckoo land. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us to be really honest in the feeling, emotional life. Sometimes we will see with others, as I said, well and clearly. We will give others feedback well and clearly. But there's very little point in saying to others, oh, you're stuck in your head, you're stuck in your mind, you're stuck in their, your, your thoughts. Somewhere inside the person, he or she knows this already. And what the outcome of that is, it tends to reinforce being stuck. The person doesn't say, oh, thank you for that brilliant <laughs> insight. I never knew that before. Gosh, I'm now right back into my feelings. <laughs> somewhere, the expression of awareness, somewhere in it, love and understanding becomes the vehicle for the bridging. It's not pointing out the accusing finger. It's not putting somebody down, not telling someone you're this, that or the other. Sometimes, as one person was uh, telling us in the group, and it's not unusual, the, per the, the feedback comes, oh, you're too sensitive. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> oh, thanks. Very clear, you're right. From now on, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be an utterly insensitive person. <laughs> and... People hear the voice. It's a put-down. And then we identify with being put down, oh, you're too sensitive. What that means, one doesn't know. And very easily, there is a contraction. Oh, I'm too sensitive. I have too much feeling in my life. I shouldn't be feeling like this, whatever it might be. And that reaction upon that begins to numb and deaden the heart. Because we live in a brutal culture which is not respectful to sensitivity, not respectful to people's uh, uh, feelings, and we call people uh, too sensitive or whatever. Rather, that what does happen is there's a beauty in sensitivity you need to be respectful for the sensitivity of our feelings. And 
the vulnerability of it is that easily from outside of ourself or from within ourself that sensitivity of feelings sometimes impacts and it creates again some waves of emotion we cry we feel sad we feel upset it may be over what is called a small thing let's not stop being sensitive people let's have a love for being really sensitive let's have appreciation for the beauty and the vulnerability of it and at the same time at the same time find ways and explore ways to appreciate the sensitivity and to understand its beauty not to give in to these negative voices about it and that may mean that if we don't numb ourselves if we don't take flight into the mind and run away into the mind it may mean we'll cry more it may mean it may mean we'll laugh more it may mean we'll love more better better than flight sometimes we don't know and it's an enormous challenge to us as men and women on the earth sometimes we don't know with the feeling life and our emotional life how to be with it and there is no answer there is no method and this is where the limitation of uh, mindfulness or meditation really has to be recognized if there was a tool if i if when you come and you're in tears or there's some unhappiness or there's some wave of feeling or emotion and there was a technique to deal with it i'd give it to you i'd be only too happy to give it to you it would make my life a lot easier just say well just go and watch your breath or <laughs> you know or uh, see the sensations or or do your mantras or something etc et Vis visualize your mother anything whatever <laughs> <laughs> and if there was <laughs> apologies to the mothers here <laughs> If there was some methodology, which is the form, which could be the answer to the form less, if there's something which could be answered to the form less, marvellous. But it's formless, and method and technique is form. So we have to respond, as I said earlier, to the formlessness of it. And in a way, learn to love our sensitivities. Learn to love our uh, inner life and learn to let that movement come through sometimes there is the old voice which accompanies the wave of emotion and the old voice can be the hard voice the judgmental voice As one person said sometimes he said I, I feel I'm a bad person this is old history this is some old voice from old circumstance which is arising and we have to recognize in the flow of our experience what is old not listen to these old voices 
They belong to the dustbin of history. We're much more noble and greater than that. And that sense of things will allow things to flow. One of the other areas which is also important here, particularly with um, feeling and emotional life, it also has a very direct relationship with energy and, and with form. And Dharma teachings are an important aspect of exploration of form and the love and appreciation for the formless. And in the Buddhist tradition, doesn't, in a general, I'd be treading toes here, but in a general sense, doesn't have as much love and understanding of the formless as it does of the form. It's the tradition too much connected with the form and not enough love of the formless. There. I was speaking to Danny some time ago, we were sitting there, nice to see you now. And, uh, and we're both India Wallers. We have a deep affection for that country, we don't know why, but we do. <laughs> and a nice thing about the tradition there, there is a more formless sense about it. And I think we have a lot to learn about that, especially those in the, the Buddhist world. In that love of the formless, it's vital and important, although there is lots of emphasis on the form, sitting, walking, standing and reclining, no question about it, no, lots of emphasis on the form. But the love and appreciation of the form less matters a great deal, particularly in the times that we are living with. Yeah. And so with the... Uh, one person speaking, uh, knows the retreat world very well and has been one of our lovely uh, 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 managers, looks at her experience and, and says, sitting is not for me, sitting is over. Sometimes in the Buddhist tradition, oh my God, it's crisis, she doesn't want to sit. For others, People like me, I say, marvellous, the great liberation. <laughs> and sometimes we need to be formless. Be formless in the silence, be formless in the, in the, in, in the way of things. And I just said, oh, dance. Just, you know, be in the nature and, just, and, and dance. And then she said, oh, some, need some music. And so I said, well, I've got a laptop. <laughs> Some great music on the laptop. Mm-hmm. Leonard Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan, aren't we? <laughs> and, uh, and world music, and music from this part of the, uh, part of the world. So, well, I can have a little couple of loudspeakers on the laptop. Don't tell anybody, <laughs> etc. And then she said to me, I've been dancing to the singing of the birds. Beautiful. Beautiful. I've been dancing on this retreat to the singing of the birds. 
beautiful. This is formlessness. I mean, me, without, there'd be nobody left in the meditation hall after this talk, I can tell you. We'd <laughs> <laughs> all be out there dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to give a, one of us had to give a talk on the value of form tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So sometimes there's the exploration of life. The exploration of life and having a freedom of life to explore the form. Having the freedom in life to explore the formless. And to really listen to our being. Really be open and uh, receptive at what goes on with our um, emotion, emotional life. And sometimes the answer with regard to the emotional life is there is no answer. There is no method. It's an extraordinary event. And let's be receptive to it. Let's say, wow, what it is to feel. What it is to be in the silence and just feel. What it is to be in the nature and just feel. What it is to be sensitive. At times, we have to make small agreements with ourselves. We can be sensitive and tired. Oh, careful. We all know, I know, you know, when we're sensitive and tired. <laughs> how quickly the tendency will appear in that moment. Because the two have got linked together. If we're sensitive and tired, for some of us, with me, I'll just withdraw. Pull back. I'm tired. I'll pull back. It may be inappropriate. It may be unwise. But I'll, I'll pull back. For another person, sensitive and, uh, and tired, and get very reactive, very negative. Start saying things which one regretted, which one regrets later on. Love our sensitivity, but to know in the state of low energy, when those two go together, it makes for a difficult situation. Either upon others or upon ourselves. We must just keep enough awareness, because sometimes we have said things about ourselves to ourselves, in sensitivity and tiredness, or to others. And we've regretted it for years. still need wisdom in our tiredness. And it's not just the exploration of this relationship of mind in the way that I defined it or described it or emotions in the way that I, uh, I, I, spoke, I spoke about it. But an interest in all of that which manifests in life like waves in the ocean and the preciousness of the form called the wave the preciousness of the formlessness is what is it in which all this rests what is this ocean in which the waves called you and me rest
May all beings live with awareness. May all beings touch the deepest places within. May all beings realize the support of the ocean. (laughs) 